Welcome to Seeing Eye to Eye, the show about innovation and integration. Why integration and innovation? Because we believe these are key skills for anyone on a path of continual progress, so you can create and successfully live a bold vision for a more meaningful future. We're your hosts. I'm Ash. And I'm Joya. Join us for conversations that are part entrepreneurial strategy, part philosophical discussion, and part personal development tools. If you are or aspire to be a high-performing and exponentially ambitious entrepreneur, thought leader, or creator, this show is for you. Three, two, one. Okay, we are live. Hello, everybody, and welcome. This is episode zero of the Seeing Eye to Eye podcast, the show all about innovation and integration. So this is episode zero because we wanted to take this opportunity to introduce you to the show as a whole, our ideas and plans for the show as a whole, introduce you to ourselves, the two co-hosts, and then in the next episode, episode one, we'll introduce the first season. So I'm Joya and I'm delighted to introduce my co-host, Ash. Hi, Joya. Thank you for having me with on this podcast with you. I'm super excited. No, thank you. I mean, this podcast, it was really your idea. So I'm very grateful and thankful to you for suggesting this. And I'm super excited that we're finally launching and getting it started. Me too. Great. So let's start. Um, I think we said we would start just by introducing people to us with our biography. So I have right. Ash's official biography for all of you. So Ash is a philosopher and entrepreneur currently from Salt Lake City. He is the founder of Adaptation Inc., offering philosophical consulting and coaching for business leaders and entrepreneurs of all types, teaching them how to think bigger, how to integrate theory with practice, and principles of meta-learning and adaptability so you can reach your full potential and create as much value as you can. Yeah. So do you want to start by telling us more about that? Tell us about uh, Adaptation Inc., your, your company. What's that all about? Uh, so, so like you said in the bio, I uh, want to eventually create a AI-driven technology platform, but at the moment uh, I'm just focusing more on doing some uh, philosophical consulting and coaching. Um, so that ranges from anything from, you know, helping uh, CEOs define their mission for their organization um, to, you know, if they have an employee that they want to retain that they're having issues with, try to help them figure out like what might be causing the clash in the relationship or whatever. Um, and and just kind of like the general thinking principles that all these different kinds of issues have in common. Um, so, you know, basically just teaching the, the principles of adaptability is the way I like to think about it. Um, and, you know, and I just, I think that my background in philosophy uh, brings a perspective to bear on these kinds of business issues that uh, helps clarify uh, some of some of the deeper issues involved. Um, so I don't know if there's anything more you want me to say about that, or no, should, should I go ahead and 
Actually, I realized I forgot to read the, or I didn't read the last part of, of your bio that says that ultimately you want to launch your own AI-driven technology platform. Right. So is that still super secret or anything about that you want to share at the moment? It is still pretty in the pretty early phases of development. Um, so, and it's something that uh, <laughs> could take a long time to to really discuss. So we can probably leave that aside for now, but it might come up uh, in future discussions that we have here. So uh, it sounds like ripe for future episodes of the yeah, podcast. Very possibly. Um, so let me go ahead and uh, read your bio then and introduce you. Uh, Joya is a coach, writer, and speaker based out of the New York City, New Jersey metro area. She is the founder of Creative Achievements Coaching, her signature integration of life coaching, high performance coaching, and creativity coaching designed for individuals who want to pursue personal mastery and innovative creative excellence across multiple disciplines. Uh, so that was something I wanted to delve into a little bit more that at the end there you mentioned uh, excellence across multiple disciplines. and. Um, I think from what I know about your background, you kind of have a background in this multi multidisciplinary uh, way where, so we actually originally met studying philosophy in college. We had an online right. course together and then met it in person at some conferences and things. Um, but at the time, or then you went to grad school in English. Yeah. And, uh, no, no, that's right. Um, so just to tell you a little bit more about my story. So I, I actually started in English because I've always loved literature. And honestly, one of the things I loved about studying literature at the academic level was that it allowed me to pursue so many other areas of interest. So while I was a PhD candidate at NYU, I had the opportunity to take classes in history, in psychology. I even got a chance to do this really fascinating project in neuroscience. I got to go up right. to Harvard and work with Stephen Koslin, who is one of the leading experts on mental imagery and mm -hmm. study. So mental imagery can be fascinating for literature when you think about when you read a book or a poem and what actually goes on inside your head and then mm -hmm. trying to examine these questions from the scientific, neuroscientific perspective. And probably like it, adds it a lot of, uh, probably adds a unique perspective on why uh, storytelling is such an effective way to communicate. Oh, exactly. And, and honestly, to me, it's even so much unknown territory because mm -hmm. so so there is, I think, a lot of work that's been done about about storytelling and the effectiveness of storytelling. But we still really don't know much about what exactly is going on inside your head. So even if you and I are hearing the same story, most people do report that they're creating images in their head when they're hearing a story. I've had people tell me that sometimes they hear a story and it's like they see a movie running through their mind. Now, I've never had that personal experience, but just even what is the variability between what might be going on in someone's experience, even if they're hearing the exact same story, what is the mental imagery okay. that they're generating individually? Yeah. That's yeah, really I mean, interesting. Me, no, I mean, and it's, 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 a, it's a, I think, a wide open frontier. Even the work yeah. that I was doing with Stephen Coslin, 
that particular project, we were even looking more at memory and mental imagery. So I was helping him put together this experiment where we showed people photographs. And so in this project, I actually got to learn all about using Photoshop because part of what I had to do for this project was we had this series of photographs and then for the photographs, we would alter them slightly. Mm -hmm. And then in this experiment, we would show people the photographs and then we would show them again. And for different participants, we would either show the same photograph or we would show a photograph with a slight alteration mm -hmm. and then just even see what people could remember in terms right. of how that worked with their mental imagery. So, but these are really, I think, even first baby steps in yeah. the bigger question that interests me, which is what exactly is going on under the hood and, and what are even the, the, the experiential differences so yeah. even if you and I are hearing the same words and the same story, how we could do you be experiencing exactly internally, mentally. Exactly. How do we process it at the neuroscience level, and how do we experience it? You might even mm -hmm. say at the human level, at the emotional level. So yeah, no, that's a fascinating subject that like I have a lot to say about because it brings exactly. up this whole issue of of you know. Um, visual thinking versus like other sensory modes of thinking potentially and exactly. I don't know if you've ever read like Temple Grandin's book thinking in pictures she talks a lot about that I think she has kind of the most interesting model about that but uh, it's kind of closest to the way I think about it but um Something so yeah like this is something episode. we should note down for a future mm -hmm. episode about because I think it's actually really fundamental um to a lot of the other issues that we're going to be talking about today so uh maybe that's a good segue into what uh, we want to talk about, what the kind of the general topic for this podcast is going to be. Uh, do you want to say a little bit about about that? Sure. So as people probably already know, if you found out about the podcast, it's seeing eye to eye and the eyes stand for innovation and integration. So I think we both just wanted to say something about both of those concepts and why why we think they're so important that we want to launch a whole podcast about both of them. Right. Um, so, so I can start with that, even just with innovation, because this has really become, at this point, my mission in the world. So Peter Diamandis has the concept of your massively transformative purpose. And this is really the purpose that I've identified for myself and my work is all about the value of innovation, creativity, original work. I really do believe that right now in the personal development field, not enough is being said about how important this is for achieving personal fulfillment and personal happiness. I truly do believe that every person should be doing innovative, creative, original work. So maybe yeah. one of the things to even talk about is a definition of innovation. Sure. So I mean, on the one hand, innovation can just be producing something new. Anything that's new right. is innovative. So, but so Peter uh, Diamandis talks about that massively yes. transformative purpose, uh, yes, and he talks about it in terms of like, books. yeah, and he, he talks about it in terms of like, if you want to be a billionaire, figure out a way to help a billion people, things like that. So he's talking about it like. The reason he has the word massively in there is he's talking about doing it on a very large scale. But innovation is something that can happen at lots of different scales. You know, there's a whole range and, you know, you, you have to start somewhere. So but you can start it, you know, anywhere. It can be, you know, just very small 
personal kind of thing to begin with, at least. So is Exactly. Well, and so for me, I mean, I guess you could sort of say I have a meta perspective on this because my massively transformative purpose is to reach millions and billions of people with this message of the value of innovation. What I even want to do, what I'm currently doing with my uh, creative achievements coaching program, right now I'm just working with people one-on-one but I eventually want to develop that into even more group programs and courses. But to help that's why we're doing with, the podcast. It's the scale to do some the of podcast, this. To scale it. Right. But but the whole point is to spread the message that innovation is not only possible to everyone, but important. That it's okay. it's important for your happiness, your fulfillment in life. And going beyond that, so the you know, the big purpose is to reach all these people. And one of the things I feel is that there's a myth, I think, in our culture about quote unquote creative genius, mm. that this idea that, that only a select few are creative geniuses and you either have to be born a creative genius or you have to have had some early childhood experience. And if you didn't have that by a certain age, then you know, you're just out of the realm of creativity. And I think that's completely false. Yeah. And so you I hear this really false narrative, of, well, especially oh. today, where like a lot of the um, things in kind of the business world, they get a lot of the media attention and things is in the technology world. And, and they do really like to focus on those stories of the, you know, the people that started some huge company out of their dorm room or whatever, like Mark Zuckerberg with Facebook or whatever. And and that's just not really representative of the reality of how innovation actually happens in the world. Um, and it's, you know, exactly. Like, no, I think like you're right. Saying, it's not just that, you know, like they're, they're just like this, these very rare prodigies like Mozart or whatever. It's, you know, there's also people like, uh, I can't think of a good counter and that part to, to Mozart there, but you know, there are composers who haven't started until their sixties or whatever, mm-hmm. and then have gone on to be, to write famous pieces of music or things like that. Um, no. And so, so I wanted to say that, um, that this is part of even my whole mission is with this idea that everyone can and ought to be creative and then to actually help people with the skills, because I do think it's a skill. There's a skill set that you can learn to yes. be more innovative. And I'm hoping that's, even a huge part of what we're doing with this podcast is bringing up some of these topics and and spreading this message to the world. But yeah. I just wanted to say, even just going back to what is innovation. So at a certain level, you can say innovation is just creating something new. But even in the word, to get back to my English geek perspective, there's a connotation even in the word innovation that there's something progressive about it. And that's definitely the way I see the word that to me, innovation can even be synonymous with growth, because when you think about what it means to grow as a human being, to grow just your skills, your abilities, your knowledge, your learning, when you're growing as a human being, what you are essentially doing is innovating. And so I really want to help people make that connection come to value innovation, come to make that part of their personal identity. I mean, I guess this is more things that we're going to talk about in this show. 
um, right. how all these ideas come together, what it means to identify yourself as an innovator and, and why that's so important. But I, yeah. I wanted to, to say that just at the outset that I think that's part of this whole show, which is the value of innovation and the skills to do it. And there's this idea that, that you can do innovation well. And that's right. what I'm hoping we help more people do, is how to do innovation well. And right. we could get more into that, but just to put something out there to get us started, my, my overall sense of what that is, is doing innovation well means creating happiness, fulfillment, authenticity, and growth for yourself personally, and then also adding value to the world. So okay. that's my teaser for innovation. Yeah. So innovation as uh, this idea of kind of continual personal progression and growth, um, and then also uh, figuring out how to keep improving at, at this process is kind of like meta improvement. You know, it's like you want to figure out how to improve at this process of self-improvement, right? Exactly. Uh, so, so maybe that is kind of uh, brings us to this next idea of integration. Yeah, maybe you want to take the lead here and say something more about integration. Because I know I've learned so much about this topic just from conversations that you and I have had. Okay. Um, so I, I kind of got really into this idea of integration. Well, I just noticed that different forms of it um, were coming up in a lot of the most interesting work being done in a variety of fields, um, which kind of goes back to that idea of kind of multidisciplinary um, mm -hmm. thinking that, that we were talking about earlier. It's, and and I was noticing that one of the things across like all these disciplines that kept coming up was this idea of putting together ideas from lots of different disciplines, right? Um, and and then kind of the the field that seems to really capture all of this and 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 deliberately draw all of this together is uh, it's a it's an emerging field that's called complex adaptive systems. Yeah. So can you tell us more about that? Because I I only heard that term first from you. So okay. Well, yeah. So that? so complex adaptive system is uh, basically it's any system where you have um, lots of different elements interacting in different ways and uh, an important aspect of it is that the interaction of these different elements gives rise to a sort of higher order unity um, where you have these kind of emergent properties that you wouldn't necessarily predict from just analyzing the individual parts of the system. So is this idea that okay. the whole is greater than the sum of its parts, right? Um, okay which you know is is a pretty good definition of this idea of integration it's disparate elements combining into a cohesive system with a higher order unity um and so you know there's and and to me like this idea of complex adaptive systems the reason that i'm so fascinated by it is because to me that's basically everything um <laughs> at least everything interesting is part of the complex adaptive system at some level mm -hmm. right like everything is so you and me, you know, we're systems and we have all of like these subsystems, you know, the, the different organ systems that, that make up our bodies and the, and the tissues that make up the organs and the, the, the cells that make up the different cell types that make up the different tissues. And, and, you know, you can keep breaking that down further and further that the different kinds of chemicals and the 
make up the cells and the molecules that make up the chemicals and the atoms that make up the molecules, you know, all the way down to the basic level. Um, but you can go in the other direction too. And you can say, well, so, you know, we are this sort of super system that has like all of these other subsystems that, that make us up. Um, but we are also from a different perspective, we are like subsystems that are part of these larger systems, you know, these social systems and, or, you know, these other physical, larger physical systems. Um, and so everything can be really thought of in terms of being either these subsystems of larger systems or these super systems that are made of these, these smaller subsystems, depending on how you're looking at it. And, and to really understand anything, you kind of have to understand its place in this sort of hierarchy of these complex adaptive systems. And you have to understand like the broader systems of which they're a part, and you have to understand the more basic systems that, that they're made up of. Right. Um, and you can, you know, the, the range that at which you understand that kind of adds to your understanding of anything. And you can do that all the way up to like the level of the universe as a whole is kind of like the, the broadest super system. Um, and then all the way down to like whatever the basic constituents of reality are that physics is still investigating is uh, kind of like the, the smallest parts that make everything up. And, and the more that you understand like all of these different elements and how all of these things interact with each other, uh, the, the more you understand how everything works and you understand the basic principles that you can use to, um, to have the kind of impact in the world and, and make the changes you want because sorry i'm going on a no, little bit no, about but this I, but I, no but i i hear you that it's 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 partly even how we understand the world but it's how we it's how we innovate right well innovation it's is part of a key strategy towards innovation although yeah. i think it's more than that too because it's you know by learning skills and integration we learn how to innovate better yeah. And then in being an innovator, part of that is then, I think, going to the next level and figuring out how do we actually integrate innovation into our lives. Because um, sure. one way that I've seen even innovators that I know start to need help is that there can be a problem with burnout or there can be a problem with an innovator does really well at a certain project or task, but then that's it. And so there's this other level. What they need is a, a kind of further integration to kind mm -hmm. of integrate their innovation with other ideas and with uh, essentially almost a, a philosophy with a broad, wide range perspective on what matters in the universe, what is good and how we know it. Sure. And kind of their purpose for their own life that they want to pursue. Exactly. Right? Um, and I think for, you know, human ventures i think kind of this idea of a purpose is really key uh to understanding because the, the your purpose is really kind of what provides the the integration around which you know you organize your other activities and things and but there can be different purposes at, at different levels too so you know you can you know kind of going back to what i was saying you know there's these different uh systems at all these different levels um you know, at a higher level than just kind of the individual, you know, people can join together around a common goal to form various types of associations and ventures and enterprises. And, and those are typically organized around some, some sort of, uh, mission or vision, um, that the people who, who started the venture are trying to achieve. Right. Um, 
but then for your own life, you know, you can have like a, a central purpose or goal that you're pursuing, um, at, you know, throughout your life or, and that can, you know, that can grow and change and adapt <laughs> through, throughout your life at different, different times. Um, but it's, you know, it's just people tend to look at a lot of things um, in terms of, you know, they, they analyze things at a very narrow level where, um, you know, the, the kind of typical model that most people use is if you want to understand something, you, you, you know, you, you look at the relationship between you, two pieces of a puzzle and you say, okay, here's piece A and how does it fit together with piece B? And usually there's this very kind of simplified causal model where you say, you know, A causes B, you know, A is the cause, B is the effect. But this idea of complex adaptive systems is really this recognition that things are much more complex with that than that usually. And there's usually like this complex web of causes and things are both cause and effect to various degrees in relation to one another. And, uh, and, and those things can really matter. So just let me just give one example that I think maybe we'll clarify it a little bit. So just to take like a knowledge system, um, like take scientific research studies. Um, so for example, like this, this, well, so, so most scientific research studies tend to be about a very specific, narrow, uh, question and, and that's useful. That's important. Um, you definitely need that. Um, and so for example, you might have like the studies that, uh, have shown that say consuming alcohol in some quantity, uh, reduces your risk for heart disease okay, or something. Okay. But now can you look at those studies and conclude from that? Well, okay. Then drinking alcohol must be good for me. Um, and that, cause that's what most people conclude from that study, but really you can't, because if you're just looking at that in isolation, you really without looking at the broader context and like the, the, the whole system that this is a part of, you know, okay, like drinking alcohol might be good for your heart, but there's other studies that show that it increases your risk for cancers of certain types or whatever. Okay. But does that mean that it's bad for you? Well, it depends. Like it might be good for your heart, but what's it doing to your liver? You, you have to like take all of these things into account. So um, you're starting to see more uh, kind of scientific studies being published that do try to take this into account and have a more integrative perspective. So they call these like meta-analyses and things where mm -hmm. they take like a lot of different studies related to a certain topic and try to take the data from all these different studies and put them together into a more coherent picture, right? Um, so that's, I think, kind of an example of, of what we're talking about, like, you definitely need both pieces. You need the, the specific data that you get from the, the narrower studies, but by itself, those aren't very helpful and they can actually be detrimental because if you're just basing your decisions on one isolated aspect of this question without taking into account the rest of the, the system, you might actually be making a decision that is actually detrimental to your life, right? No, this, it actually reminds me of a conversation that you and I have had in the past where you had this wonderful way, I thought, of putting it, where you said that as a culture, 
our problem is not that we are over specialized, but that we're under generalized, right. which I thought just got right to the heart of this, that as a culture, it seems that so much of even our, our institutions, academia, the scientific studies that you're mentioning, the way that we progress in our careers, everything is toward greater and greater specialization. And that's great. That's wonderful. It's important. We definitely want specialization. It's how we thrive as a division of labor society. It's part of what makes all of the abundance and technology that we have now yeah, possible. That's one is side that of innovation that you, you really need. But, but there is this other side. Point, yes, but I love the way you put it, that it's the problem is not that we're over-specialized because we want mm -hmm. the specialization. But there is an issue in our culture that we're under-generalized. And I think that's very true. It's, it's even if you look at the way, as a culture, we approach knowledge. To me, so I was in academia, it was very apparent that it's your first two years when you're a freshman and a sophomore that you're taking general education courses. And right. then you go down to a major. If you go on to grad school, it gets narrower and narrower and narrower. And that's great. But then there's never that opportunity where you come back and say, and okay, now, that I've, now that I've gained expertise in, in a specific field, exactly, how do I zoom back out and connect this with a wider picture. And I think in order to be successful, part of this is what we're exploring in the show, is that we need both. And the integration aspect, the generalization aspect, is the one that as a culture, we're we're missing out on right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, you know, and I think this is a common phenomenon in all, all these different kinds of complex adaptive systems where, you know, there's there's two different ways that you can adapt to any kind of you know, what they call in biology select selection pressure, or just like you might call, you know, adversity that you face in your life or, or whatever. Um, you can either become more adapted towards a, a more specific niche, or you can become more adaptable to a greater range of niches. Um, and so becoming more adapted to a more specific niche, that's, you know, that's specialization, that's differentiation. Becoming more adaptable to a greater range of niches, that's generalization, that's integration, right? And and uh, those are two different strategies, you know, in biology that, uh, you know, it's most evolution goes in the direction of the more specialized uh, because I think that typically has the greater kind of short-term payoffs. Um, but in the long term, actually becoming more adaptable to a broader range of niches is actually much uh, more successful strategy. Uh, and and so in the long run, I think that's kind of the way that evolution tends to to progress. Um, and that's, you know, where you get humans who are extremely adaptable to a huge range of niches. And, and we've basically now inhabited every kind of habitat on the planet, right? Except for like the deep oceans or something. <laughs> um, but you know this this applies to like I said all kinds of different uh, uh, complex adaptive systems. So like in technology, uh, you know the most obvious example I can think of is you know what they call artificial special intelligence versus artificial general intelligence. So most work in in the AI research so far has been done in in special AI, mm -hmm. uh, where where you know they create these these artificial intelligence algorithms that become very adept at performing. A very particular task, you know, kind of like those very narrow kind of research studies. Um, but the goal and what 
you know, everybody in the field knows would be just exponentially more valuable, but, you know, nobody really quite knows how to get there yet, is having a general AI where you, where you can create an artificial intelligence program that can handle any kind of different question or problem that you give to it. Um, so, right, that, so it's, it's precisely solving the integration problem that yes. will lead us to the next biggest advance. I think, didn't you even exactly. have uh, an example you wanted to give us from history about electricity, about how this was even what made oh, the phenomenon yeah. of electricity so disruptive yeah. in its time and yeah. so wonderful and glorious for us in the modern right. era? Right. I mean, it was, it was really kind of like the, you know, a century ago, a century earlier, it was kind of what the internet is today, you know, and, mm -hmm. um, and that was, you know, largely Thomas Edison who was responsible for that. And people, you know, think of him as inventing the electric light bulb, but then they say, oh, but he didn't really invent that, even though, you know, you know he just invented the first one that was actually uh, commercially viable, mm -hmm. <laughs> actually worked. Um, but, you know, Which like a lot of important. other people, yeah, and but a lot of people, you know, made different um, innovations or developments along the way that, mm -hmm. that Edison, you know, uh, built on. And, and so, those were all important, but there's right. also this bigger question of the integration. Right. So in this book, uh, Energy and Civilization, A History by Vaclav Smil, which is a really great book that I recommend, um, in the section on electricity, the development of electricity, he, uh, he talks about this, and he talks about some of these other developments that other inventors and innovators had come up with. Uh, and then he says, you know, so, you know, that served as the basis for Edison's works. And then he says, so why did Edison's achievements far surpass those of his many predecessors and competitors? Edison succeeded because he realized that the race is not just to have the first reliable light bulb, but to put an entire practical commercial system of electric lighting in place. And that included reliable electricity generation, transmission, and metering. As a result, the creation of the electrical industry was driven more than in any other case of 19th century innovation by one man's vision. This required accurate identification of technical challenges, solving them through tenacious interdisciplinary research and development, and rapid introduction of the resulting innovations into commercial use. There were other contemporary inventors of light bulbs or large generators, but only Edison had both the vision of a complete system and the determination and organizational talent to make the whole work. So that's no, I think Edison. And that's amazing. You know, people think of him as inventing the light bulb, but it's like he invented the whole electrical system that made it possible for you know the masses of people to actually have light bulbs in their homes and for them to work you know and be uh economical and and all of those kind of things so and i think it's getting exactly at, at what we've been talking about and what we'll be talking about more i think in this show so it starts with even that he had this vision like you were talking about he had this purpose this vision that was an integrating force and then what it integrated was this massively integrative system right. so so it's all these levels of integration coming together and that that's what's making this really high level impactful innovation possible right. and there are you know lots of other examples of this i i uh, mentioned to you before there was this recent movie documentary about apollo 11. Um, i still have to see that oh you haven't seen it yet it's amazing um and where they just use like all this archival footage from the time and that's the whole movie and it's it's just mind-blowing just the level to which there's so much work that goes into it you know just into the the science to even figure out 
how we could possibly <laughs> uh, launch a rocket to reach the moon and like all of the different fields of people working on this problem together and how this this purpose, you know, that was, you know, kind of set by Kennedy in his his speech earlier in the decade, uh, that by the end of the decade that we would put a man on the moon, mm-hmm. that, um, you know, th- that served as kind of this organizing principle around which that, that integrated this, this whole incredible innovative uh, venture. And so, so that's a really great example, or, or then just, you know, more recently, you know, like I mentioned that the internet, you know, the World Wide Web, um, when we, when we were originally recording this, it was right after the, uh, what was it? The, I guess the 30th anniversary of, of yeah, Tim Berners-Lee's invention of the World Wide yep. Web, which is pretty astonishing, uh, how it's completely transformed all our lives now. And like at first, you know, even 10 years after he'd originally mm-hmm. launched it, you know, cause it took several years before there was a commercial web browser and then several more years before there were lots of, um, you know, really, useful transformative applications. So, you know, even 10 years after he created it, you know, there was the huge dot-com bubble because everybody kind of thought like, oh, well, this is actually overblown and it's not really going to be that uh, world-changing. But of course, in retrospect, now we can say, oh, it actually was. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I think we're still just seeing the beginnings of how that's, you know, going to change society and just everything that that we do. So anyway, th- those are just a couple other examples of like how some of the, these most transformative innovations are, are these ones that are very integrative and um, bring together just a, a huge range of, of possibilities. Um, right. And why integration and innovation are so linked and why we want to do this whole show that's exploring essentially the integration of innovation with integration. Yeah. And I think that you put it before um, that they form this sort of virtuous spiral. Yes. And I, I love that way of thinking about it. So it's... Uh, right, that if you integrate, you're able to innovate, and then when you innovate, you need to come back to the integration. That's how you get to the next level that allows you to innovate even further. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. And... So, uh, and- uh, so I, I was just going to move on to the next point. If you, if you had something else you wanted to no. say there, um, yeah. So I, I just think you know what 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 we we really want to focus on with this podcast is how you know learning these ideas uh, as explicit principles it enables you to implement them more deliberately so that you can create even more value. Um, and so yeah. the way I, I like to think about it is, you know, the difference between someone like Elon Musk and you is just that Elon Musk doesn't tell himself, I could never be like Steve Jobs. You know, he thinks I can learn from people like Thomas Edison and Steve Jobs and build on what they've done and potentially achieve even more, right? Um, exactly. There's knowledge and there's skills. There's skills that are learnable. That it's not right. you're born this innovator or you're not. It's more of a choice of a value that you make and skills that you can learn to implement in your thinking and in your life. Yeah, so it's, it's, this goes back to, you know, kind of what you were saying earlier about um, this myth of the creative genius. And that's something that I, I totally agree with you needs to be really uh, challenged. And uh, it reminds me of Boston. one of my favorites. Uh, Completely 
decimated. Yeah, that for is sure. my goal in the universe. <laughs> it reminds <laughs> me of like, I, yeah, I, so I know you're a Harry Potter fan too, right? Oh, yeah. So it reminds me of my favorite quotes from from Harry Potter. Um, it was in the Order of the Phoenix. I think it was actually just in the movie, not in the book. Uh, but it's where Harry, where they've started Dumbledore's army, and so Harry can teach them defense against the dark arts because you know the new people at the ministry you've taken over the school are not actually teaching them properly. And um, so Harry's trying to teach these other students, and. Uh, he says at one point to, the, to them, he says, every great wizard in history has started out as nothing more than what we are now, students. And if they can do it, why not us? And I think that is just such a perfect statement of this idea that like, okay, you know, there are these people who've achieved a lot, but you don't want to put them on this pedestal where you just kind of look up to them and think that's something I can never do. Rather, you want to yeah, you want to admire those people, but in the sense of like, that's something that I want to aspire to, right? It shows you what's possible and ideally it shows you lessons. And so hopefully that's even what we're doing throughout this podcast is pulling out the lessons. What are the lessons that people can learn about innovation and integration that can make them good innovators? Right, for sure. Um, Okay, so is, is that kind of, do you think that's a good place to sort of wrap up our introduction to what the podcast is going to be about? I guess you want to maybe talk more about what we're going to be doing here in this first season for the upcoming uh, several episodes. Yeah, um, well, I just had one more idea that I wanted to express right now. And sure. then, yeah, we can start wrapping up this episode zero. Just the last point I, I wanted to make was even just a continuation on, on what you had just started saying um, about just going in depth a little bit more about what I think it means to be a good innovator and to do innovation well. Mm -hmm. So what I've observed is that there's this interesting paradox or tension in how people do innovate well when yes. they innovate well. And what this is is that there's almost kind of a dual perspective you have to have. It, it's a kind of integration. So mm -hmm. on the one hand, in order to innovate well, to be focused on your own happiness and to be focused on creating value, you have to be someone who can appreciate the value that currently exists in the world. You have to even be, sometimes I almost think of it as being a value hunter. You yes. wanna be that person that goes out and seeks for the value and the happiness that you can find right now yeah. in the present moment in the world. Yeah, but, I call that living with a value orientation. So we have similar terminology for, yes. for that idea. But, but I, I'm even going to push for a value hunter because there really is something about you want to yeah. go out and seek it and get it. Value yes. hunter. But So that's the one hand. But the other hand is that simultaneously you have to be focused on how to make things better. So even though you're seeking out happiness in the present, you can't just rest on your laurels, as it were. You also have to be focused on how do I make this better? So I remember we were having a conversation about this. You had this great way of putting it, that it's simultaneously you have to be both satisfied and dissatisfied. Well, you have to appreciate um, what we have now and how we got to where we are, while at the same time, 
kind of projecting from those trends and seeing how things could be even better and and wanting to help bring that better future into existence, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, and, and it's an integration to, to maintain because I think we've both seen how people very commonly go wrong with this, that on the one hand, it's easy to be too critical. So, you know, you find something, for example, a really great book, but there's one point you disagree with and then you just totally dismiss the book. Yeah. You're, you're kind of throwing away the possibility of value that you could get from that book because right. of one thing. So that's in a sense being too critical. Yeah. But on the other hand, people go wrong where they find something they value. And I observe that it's almost like they become defensive. You can't question or raise critical questions about what it is that they value. Because they, they get stuck in that sort of status quo and they don't want to have to change and adapt and, and look for something better. Exactly. And then so then they're keeping themselves from uh, a, cr a constructive criticism that could help them grow. So as I said, it's, it's this, this paradox, this tension between the satisfaction and the dissatisfaction between right. the present moment happiness and the focus on future growth and figuring out how to integrate these two perspectives. It's yes. just another huge topic that I think we're going to be coming to again and again throughout yeah. this whole podcast, hopefully in the multiple seasons that yes. we start doing it for. Hopefully. So that actually brings me to my book recommendation for the week. That's one thing that I wanted to do in the podcast um, because one of the things that I listen to podcasts for is, is book recommendations. Um, and resource so, recommendations, and, yeah, really. So we just want to like recommend resources more. for further study, which could be books or other podcasts to listen to or or anything. Um, but uh, the book that I wanted to talk to, to mention today that actually is on that exact subject of being able to take this kind of broader perspective that integrates um, kind of two seemingly paradoxical elements is this book called The Opposable Mind, How Successful Leaders, Leaders Win Through Integrative Thinking. By, it's uh, still on my reading list. I've got to yeah, read that one. It's uh, fantastic. So it's by this guy, um, Roger Martin, who is dean at the Rotman School of Management at the University of Toronto. And he, he writes articles for like uh, Harvard uh, Business Review. You can read some of his pieces online on, on this kind of subject as well. So maybe we'll uh, include links to those if you don't want to read the whole book. Um, or just, you know, just to get an introduction. Those are fantastic. And so so the book is is mostly um, kind of business case study sort of examples. But I think the principles that he talks about um, are, you know, the, the same principles that you need to be successful in any creative endeavor. Um, and it's it's a lot about how to be innovative through integrative thinking. So it's, it's probably the single book uh, closest to the basic theme of this podcast that we want to talk about. So this is kind of the first one that I would recommend uh, for, for today's show. So, And I think you had a book that you wanted to recommend as well? Yes, I have a book this time too. So oh, you found your know. copy? Oh, we have the same book! Yes, I think people can see it. So this is How to Think Like Leonardo da Vinci by Michael J. Gelb. And so again, so we've been talking about sort of this whole idea of pursuing multidisciplinary excellence and 
Leonardo da Vinci is just the prime example and epitome of someone who has done that. And what I absolutely love about Michael J. Gelb's book is that he agrees, too, that, that it's not just that Leonardo was born this special creative genius. No, there are skills you can learn. He breaks it down into seven da Vinci-inspired principles that anybody could learn and incorporate into their thinking, into their activities and their life. And um, I would just say the, the, the book also says it's called Seven Steps to Genius Every Day. So it's really just about how all of us can start to learn skills that will help develop a, our own individual genius potential. Right. And, and that's pretty closely related to that. That's going to bring us into what we want to talk about for our first season for the next several episodes of this podcast. So do you want to talk, talk about that a little bit? Yes, this is really just the teaser to listen to our next episode. So when you're hearing this, we should be launching both episode zero and episode one. So if you like this, definitely come and check out episode one in which we're going to talk about our plan for the season. So we've planned about 10 episodes for the season. Maybe we'll have a couple bonus episodes in there as well, but it's going to be all about this idea of pursuing multidisciplinary excellence. So well, that appeals to you. And it's based on this article you wrote actually that I like uh, kind of the title of is kind of just to convey that the basic idea of how to be a, a renaissance human in the 21st century. Exactly. So if, if you like this idea of being a renaissance man or renaissance woman and why I think it's, it's, a, it's a timeless idea, but I also think it's never been timelier with yeah. everything that's happening in the world today, technologically, this whole question of the future of work and how it is that we kind of achieve something that people try to call work-life balance, which I think mm -hmm. is somewhat of a false dichotomy, but that's what we're going to get into in the next episode. So right. definitely want to check us out there. So and I did want to I did want to talk a little bit more about just going back to that book that you recommended. So that was actually kind of uh, one of the first books that um, came up when we reconnected because we had kind of been out of touch for a couple of years and then you reached back out to me and then we started talking regularly again and uh and that was one of the first books that kind of came up that were like oh i love that book we, we mm -hmm. should talk more about that um so that that's you know i think that's just something that we you know both think is a really great example of, of these ideas that we're really excited about talking about on this podcast um, but no, I wanted I... to give a, a quote a quote from Da Vinci that I think just kind of perfectly sums this up. That's one of my favorite quotations. Uh, if I can read that real quick. Yeah, go right ahead. All right. So it's uh, his what he called his principles for the development of a complete mind. Study the science of art. Study the art of science. Develop your senses, especially learn how to see and realize that everything connects to everything else. Uh, so that just, to me, kind of perfectly encapsulates what we're going to be talking about for this coming season about how there are these different aspects of life, art and science and, uh, and relationships and observation and, and how, every, how all of these things connect. And, uh, and Da Vinci, of course, was really far ahead of his time on all of these things. So he's going to come up a lot, I'm sure, in the next many episodes. 
Yeah, I'm excited to get started with it. And, and I really want to thank you, too, because I want to say this whole podcast idea was your idea. And I'm just very grateful and appreciative that you came up with this idea, because even just in the prep work that we've been doing, I feel I've already learned so much. And so I'm just super excited to see where this whole project is going to go. Yes. And I, I mean, I just want to thank you for actually being willing to uh, try out this experiment with me. And uh, hopefully other people will find this as interesting as, as we do. <laughs> um, but And then while we're um, saying some thanks, I just also wanted to uh, give a shout out to my lovely fiance, Faith, who actually came up with the title for the podcast when we were trying to figure something out. Yes, so, thank you, Faith, because I would have never come up with something as clever. Yeah, and she just did that. I mean, like, I, I was just, I just took a couple minutes telling her the general idea of the podcast, and she just immediately tossed that off. So that was pretty impressive. <laughs> so I think we're just about ready to wrap up. So I guess just the last thing is uh, explaining this idea that every episode, we want to introduce weekly challenges. So to give the weekly challenge for this week. So so both Ash and I, we both believe, I think very passionately, that ideas are for the sake of action. And so we wanted this podcast to even be just a jumpstart to action. So one of the things we've done is we've created a Facebook group for this podcast because we want people to get involved. We want it to be interactive. We want to hear your thoughts and ideas about and hopefully the build a community. Exactly. Build a community of people who are interested and passionate about this, this topic. So it's integrated around these ideas. And then hopefully that can have some emergent uh, phenomena come out of it. That yes, <laughs> we can new collaborations, uh, yeah. new ideas, new projects. So definitely we want you to get involved. So just the challenge for this week is to come and join the Facebook group. So there will be a link in the show notes. Uh, you should just even be able to, to go to Facebook and search for Seeing Eye to Eye podcast. So find us, join up, send us a, a quick post or, or a video introduction to let us know who you are, where you're from, and, and why you're interested in these ideas, what you're hoping to see about innovation and integration and we're excited to have you join us on this journey that we're starting awesome that sounds excellent i will definitely post in that facebook group oh i guess i have to reactivate re my facebook account then <laughs> exactly oh and, uh, i almost forgot to mention too that for an incentive we're also going to have prizes so, all right um but but we do we, we want to have a so prize we'll do a every week random drawing from the participants in the weekly challenge yeah, and and pretty much I think what as as you know Ash kind of mentioned he does business consulting and and I do personal development one on one coaching. So this season at least we want to offer uh, some free coaching consulting sessions. But and we yeah, we'll that... have those or other prizes kind of related to the topic that we're talking about in that episode, hopefully. Mm -hmm. But so for this week. Yeah, this week we decided uh, for the very special winner of this week, you will get a session with both Ash and myself. So like that's not a that's not two separate sessions with no, one with you one, and one with me, but like no, one joint one session with both of us. Yeah. So especially if you have an idea of your own or a project that you're working on that you want to talk with us about, we definitely want to hear all about it. So. You know, and I can definitely attest to uh, to Joya's uh, 
skill and insight as a coach. So, um, yeah, well, that's you. definitely something you don't want to miss out on an opportunity to uh, to get a free session with her. Thank you. Yeah. So I think that's it for this this episode. Anything else you wanted to say, Ash? Uh, no, that's it. Just again, thank you, and and looking forward to this first season and uh, seeing where where this whole project takes us. That's it. All right, then. I guess we're signing off. All right. Thanks, Joya. Talk to you next time. Thank you. Bye for now. Bye. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Seeing Eye to Eye. You can find and subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, or via RSS. If you found value in this show, we'd love for you to give us a review on iTunes or tell a friend who might be interested. Don't forget, you can also join the Seeing Eye to Eye podcast Facebook group to participate in the weekly challenge, ask questions, and add to our growing conversation. See you next time.